this weekend, you are in for a treat. One of my favorite communicators on the planet is right here with us. I actually uh, sleep with her every single night, but she is the best. She is my favorite. She's also a favorite of our church. Can you give a big coastal welcome to Pastor Shayla McCormick? I don't think I've ever been introduced quite like that. You know, somebody said to me this week, hey, no, actually TJ came up to me and he's like, hey, so I did the announcements this week. I said, who gave you the script? Like, it, it's just, it's really risky, you know, when he gets on camera. So, but I, I love that guy. I'm so grateful for that guy. He's one of the most encouraging people in my life. And I'm so thankful for my husband, even though he embarrasses the heck out of me most of the time. Well, hey, $724,206.95. You guys blew us away this last month when you were giving towards the mission and the vision of what God is doing here at Coastal. And let me tell you something, that generosity is going to change people's eternity. So we just wanna thank you guys so much for, for what you're doing and how you're investing here at Coastal, and we're seeing progress happen all over the place from out here on our second phase to the Lighthouse Point campus, and God is doing so much in this season, and we are just so grateful for you guys and just continuing to believe in what's happening here. Well, I'm excited to get to share with you guys today. We're in week three of our Voices series, and you know, this message was kind of a little bit of a struggle for me to come up with because over the last six months, I feel like I've had so many conversations with people that are just struggling in life. Where there's been tragedy, there's been disappointment, they're working out my mic right now, so if you hear little rings and stuff like that, that's, you know, sorry. But there's been tragedy, there's been disappointment, there's been frustration, there's been loss. And I feel like there's so many conversations that I go into and so many people that I talk to that are experiencing something difficult in life. They're experiencing transition. I mean, how many of you guys would agree that sometime over this last six months that you've been facing something that's difficult and overwhelming and, and it's just hard to see beyond what's happening in this moment because it feels so overwhelming and defeating? And I feel like going into all of these conversations, there was just like this heaviness. And when TJ asked me to speak this weekend, I was like, man, I just feel like I, through all of these conversations, there's just this weight that is present within the church, within the community, within people's lives right now. And so as I was studying, I feel like God just kind of dropped this passage of scripture into my lap. It's something that I read many, many years ago, something that stood out to me, but kind of was brought back to life through this last season. And it's actually um, out of a passage of scripture that the Apostle Paul wrote. And the Apostle Paul was somebody that is so influential in the Christian faith, in the Christian story, in the history of the Bible, he actually wrote, scholars say, 13 books of the Bible, which is more than any other disciple or any other person wrote. Paul actually was somebody in his earlier life that persecuted Christians, that killed Christians, had an extremely transformational experience to where he was one of the greatest evangelists of, of that time. And, and it just goes to show you that no matter how broken or messed up, how many failure has been in your past, all you need is one moment with God and it changes everything about your future. 
So I don't know if you walked in here today discouraged about your past or your sin or what's happened or the shame of your past. I am here to tell you today that God wants to show up and he wants to change your future. And so the Apostle Paul was this extremely influential person in the Christian faith. He actually planted over 12 churches. Now, TJ and I planted one church, and it was hell on earth for us. And Paul planted 12 churches. I'm like, man, this guy is like an overachiever, pretty amazing at what he did. But Paul also faced a lot of persecution in his life. See, even though he had a purpose, even though that God was working in his life, he still faced difficulty and challenges and persecution. I mean, this guy was snake bitten multiple times. He was shipwrecked multiple times. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was thrown in prison on many occasions. But yet he continued to get back up and to move forward in the things that God had called him to. And so this passage of scripture that we're going to read is actually out of the book of Acts. It's in Acts 14. So if you want to open your Bibles there. I just want to set up where we're at in, in this context of the story. So Paul is in this town, and he's just done this miracle. There's this man that was blind, and he laid hands on him, and this man began to see again. So this miracle happened. There was this crowd of people that was surrounding him, and they saw this, this blind man now see, and they're looking at Paul, and they think, man, Paul is incredible. And they begin to think that Paul is a god because he just performed this miracle. And so they look at Paul, and they're like trying to worship Paul. They're trying to bring him this stuff, and Paul's like, no, 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 I'm not a God, I'm just a servant of Jesus Christ, like, th this is what I am, I'm not that. And then there's this totally group, different group of people that come into town, and they are trying to come against him. And they're trying to discredit everything that Paul's done. So you have one group of people that think Paul is amazing and that he's done all of this awesome stuff. And then you have this other group of people that are on the completely opposite perspective that want to tear him down. So you have this positive rah-rah Paul. And then you have this negative people that want to destroy him. You know what? I wish the Bible was relatable to today's culture because we never experience anything like that. I mean, there's never people that are on two extreme sides and we're stuck in the middle. I mean, the Bible is just so old school and can't even relate to what we're walking through today. No, the Bible is so relevant to our situation. And so we pick up this story and this group of people that is completely against Paul in verses 19 and 20, it says this. They stoned Paul. And they dragged him out of town thinking he was dead. And I just want to stop here for a minute. So these people have stoned Paul to the point that they thought that he was dead. They drug him out of town. They pulled him out of this town. He was so beaten and so bruised that they left him on the side of the road thinking that he was dead. And what I want to tell you guys today is some of you guys might be in this room and you might have faced tragedy, disappointment, death, loss, miscarriages, financial mistakes, business failures. I don't know what you face, but you might be on the side of the road today and your situation might feel like it's dead. But let me just tell you something. We serve a God that specializes in resurrecting dead things. We serve a God that brings people back to life, that when we look at our situation and it seems beyond hope, we have a God that rescues us in those moments and breathes life back into our situations. And so you might have walked in here today feeling like you are defeated, dead. You might have fe feel like there is destruction that is plaguing your life, and it was everything that you could do to wake up and get to this place today. 
But you are here for a very specific purpose today. And God wants to encourage you and breathe new life into your situation. And it's so interesting what happens in this next passage of scripture. It says this, but, I love the big buts of the Bible. Because it just interjects this thing like you thought it was this, but let me tell you, there's something so different that is about to take place. It says, but as the believers gathered around him, and that is so key, he got up and he went back into town. So believing that, that Paul was dead, there was a group of people that began to gather around him and it breathed new life into Paul's situation. And can I just stop here for a second? Because as a church, one of the things that we value, one of the things that we say all the time is that we do life together. Because we believe that in the context of relationship, that we can walk through life, we can walk through difficulty, and if we have the right people around us, it can change everything about our situation or how we approach what we're walking through. Because here's, here's this, write this down. Your community will enable your ability. Your community will enable your ability. The people that you surround yourself with will enable your ability to get up and to move forward in difficult times. Your community that is around you will enable your ability to stand up when you feel weak. And I think it's so important to have people around us in our life because the Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. It says, two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls, and there's not another to lift him up. Can I just ask you, do you have people that are surrounding you in your life right now? That when you are down, when you are defeated, when you feel like life is dead, that you have people that can lift you up out of your situation? And can I just, can I just say for a second... As adults, friendships are hard. How many of you guys would agree with that? It's hard to make friends as adults. It's hard to engage in relationships. It's hard to build community at times. But here's what I've realized, because maybe, maybe you're sitting out there and, and you're just like, Shayla, that's awesome. Your community enables your ability, but I don't have that community. I don't have friends, I don't have people in my life, and, and I am discouraged, and I am beat up. Well, let me just tell you, you have a community right here. And while you might not be close to a lot of people, I wanna tell you, after service, if you are that person, there's a room called The Hub, which is directly across from the coffee bar, and there is a group of people in there today that wanna help lift you up out of your situation. They wanna bring encouragement, they wanna bring hope, they wanna pray for you, and so if you find yourself walking in that place and you're like, Shayla, I don't have that community, we can change that today. But here's what I realize about building community and having friends in our life that can lift us up in those moments, is that in order to have a friend, you have to be a friend. In order to have friends, you have to be a friend. And sometimes I think that, that friends and community just comes natural, right? Like, oh, it should just happen. We should just connect. And it's just easy, you know, kind of like when we were elementary school and we shared a desk next to somebody. Like, it should just be easy. And friends should just come in our life and we automatically connect. It doesn't happen that way. There are many times that in order to have that community in our life, we have to put ourselves out there. We have to show up to connect groups and we have to talk to people. 
We have to join a serve team and say hello to people or serve them coffee because it begins to build community. We have to show up and be active in those things. We have to be a friend in order to have friends. We have to ask people how they're doing and really mean it. You know, there was many years ago that I recognized this in, in my own life. I had this realization, there's this law of sowing and reaping, right? What you sow, you will actually reap. And I began to hear this same thing over and over again. I don't have any friends. I don't have any friends. I don't have any friends. And I just thought to myself, then let your need be your seed. If you don't have friends, allow that to be your seed that you're planting in others' life and begin to be a friend to other people and see that seed reap a harvest of blessing in your life because that's what you've planted over and over and over again. You have to begin to, to see other people outside of your own needs and to begin to pour into them and in return, that begins to come back to you. In Philippians 2, 3 and 4, it says this. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty pride, but in humility, consider others more important than yourself. Each of you should look not for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. See, to have friends, you have to begin to be a friend, to give people what you need, and you begin to see that return in your life because your community enables your ability and I think in this story, in this small passage of scripture, there is so much packed in here that we can learn on how to resurrect kind of in those dead moments, how we can see God begin to breathe life into those places of our life that seem dead or defeated or destroyed. And one of those things is our community. But as that community surrounded Paul, there was actually three things that happened that I think can encourage you in your situation today. And if you will do these things, I think you will see God begin to move in these areas of your life. And I, what's so interesting is in Acts, as it continues on, it says, but as the believers gathered around him, it says this, he got back up. He got back up. And I think this is true for so many of you guys, that in your situation, that you feel dead or you feel defeated, you feel destroyed, you feel overwhelmed, there is a moment where you just have to begin to get back up. Because I think a lot of times we settle into that disappointment. We settle into the, the things that have happened to us and we be, just begin to settle in. So maybe something's happened. Maybe you've been betrayed. Maybe there is something that failed in your business. Maybe there is a miscarriage that happened. Maybe there is a death that happened. Maybe there was a loss that has happened and you've been sitting in this place and you've been paralyzed. You're like Paul that's sitting on the side of the road and at some point you have to begin to get back up. And I know it's hard. I know it's painful. I know it's difficult because listen, this was the next day. So Paul, these people surround Paul and it says he got up. Now it doesn't mean that he was free of bruises. It doesn't mean that he didn't walk with a limp and that there wasn't difficulty still present in his life that was hurting and hard to begin to get out of those situations. Paul probably walked around with so much pain, but he got up. And I think your family needs you in the season to get up. Your community needs you in the season to get up. Your kids need you in the season to get up. I was reading a book recently and part of this book was talking about this idea that so many of us face, and it's this idea of learned 
hopelessness or learned helplessness. And what this means is, is we go through these experiences in life and over and over again, we face these things that we can't control. And so we just kind of learn to settle into this helplessness or this hopelessness and we just begin to say, well, I can't do anything about it, so I'm just gonna stay right here and let life pass me by because we just settle into going, I can't control this, so I'm gonna do nothing. And I think so many of us find ourselves in that place where we've just learned to be helpless or we've learned to be hopeless because we can't control the things that are around us. And this book was talking about this study and how people kind of come out of this as they begin to, to stand up. They begin to tell themselves a different narrative. They, believe, they begin to believe something different and they actually say that people can move from learned helplessness to learn optimism. But the key is to begin to get back up in our life. You know, when I was 19 years old, I faced something that was, could be life-defining for me. There's been many times in my life where I faced tragedy and, and things that could have derailed the course of my life. But this one I remember so specifically because there was so much pain and weight involved in it. So when I was 19, I was, actually, I was raped by a guy that I trusted, that I was close to. And I remember walking away from that experience, feeling so helpless and even asking myself the question, Shayla, how could you let that happen? Why did you put yourself in that situation? And I began to have these defeating thoughts and these depressive thoughts just caused me to set into this kind of victim mentality of this happened to me, is this what I deserve? Is this what everybody's gonna do to me? Am I gonna get hurt in every relationship? And I got to this point over weeks and, and months that I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to stay home. I was crying every day, just allowing all of this stuff to kind of sink into my life. And I remember my parents getting me to go to counseling. And I'm a strong believer in counseling, but you need the right counselor. Not just anybody. But I remember going to see this counselor and as I sat down with this counselor and I was pouring my heart out and telling her everything that had happened and what I was feeling, I remember these words that she spoke to me and I will never forget them. She said, Shayla, because of what you've walked through, because of your experience, it's gonna be really difficult for you to ever love or trust a man again. And in that moment, it's almost like I saw these two pathways laid out in my life. I saw this pathway of, of being settled into to that victim mentality and here's this person telling me, it's okay for you to be a victim. You don't have to heal from this. You're gonna have this effect for the rest of your life. And then I saw this path where it said, no, I refuse to be that, I choose to walk in freedom. And I remember Standing up, and at least this is how it goes, replaying it in my mind, pointing at that counselor, saying, you're wrong. 
said, I will love and I will trust a man again. I refuse to be the victim, but I choose to walk in freedom. And there's some of you guys in this room today, you face something difficult. You've walked through a season of disappointment. You've been a victim and so many of you guys, you might have just settled in to what that person did to you, the betrayal of that situation, the loss of that child, the loss of that dream, the mistake in that business. And you've been feeling like you're just dead on the side of the road. But I'm here to tell you today that you have a choice. That you don't have to stay locked up in that mentality and today you are here because God wants to tell you, listen, it is time to get back up out of that mentality. It is time to get back up for your family. The season's done for you to sit down in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, it says this, we're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Listen, just because it happened to you doesn't mean that that is who you are. We need to begin to stand up out of our situation and begin to move forward. And listen, it, it is so amazing what, what happens next because I think this is so key. When we've had the ability to begin to stand up and say, I, that is not who I choose to be anymore. That situation, that circumstance, that relationship, what happened to me does not define me. Then we need to do exactly what Paul does next. And it says he went back into town. And here's what I want to tell you. There are times when we get up that then next we need to go back in. And here's what I mean by this. So many times when things have happened to us, when we've been stuck in circumstances and situations and we have the courage to begin to stand back up, there is a fear that is still present in our life that is associated with that thing that's happened. And what it means by going back in is to address that fear and to face that fear head on. And to go, you know what, that might have happened to me before, that I might have had that, that miscarriage, but you know what, I'm gonna have the courage to try again. And you know what, I might have made that mistake in, in that business dealing or I had this failure in business, but you know what, I'm standing back up and I'm going back in and I'm gonna face that fear again because I refuse to allow my past to hold me back from what God has for my future. And a lot of us have been knocked down and beaten up and we're fearful to go back to that place to engage with those people, to open ourselves up to relationship again. It's time for some of us to go back in. When I was 13 years old, I played on a traveling softball team. I was an athlete back in the day, maybe not so much now, but I was at one point. But I was 13 and we were traveling around playing softball and I was the shortstop for my all-star team. Let me just put that out there. So I was the shortstop and they used to call me the vacuum, okay? Because nothing ever got by me. I was like over here and over here and no matter where that ball went, I was there. And so we're in this game and this girl gets up to bat and she's a big girl. 
And she's like that number four hitter, you know, like she, she can crush the ball. And I was like, not today, not today. And I got down in my stance and I'm ready and I'm like, I got my glove down, I'm waiting. The pitcher throws out that pitch and I hear that crack on the bat and that ball's coming right for me. What I didn't realize is that right in front of my glove is a rock about the size of this. So I go to feel this ball, that ball hits the rock, it bounces up, it smashes me right in the face, blood everywhere. My dad runs out on the field, he's laying hands on me, praying for me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is more embarrassing than getting hit in the face. Like, what are you doing, dad? Like, I'm 13 years old. This, you know, like, whew. So they take me out of, game, out of the game, and everybody's attending to my injuries, trying to stop the blood, and you know, they're, they're, everybody's like, are you okay, are you okay? Shayla, stay out of the game, just sit here, put ice on it, do this, plug, plug your nose with stuff. And everybody's attending to my needs, and there was a moment, even at 13 years old, where I realized if I don't go back in the game, I'm never gonna go back in. Because if I allow this fear to begin to settle into my life, I will never re-engage in this game again because I'm just gonna be fearful of what's gonna happen next. And it is so important in our life to address that fear, to go back into the places that we've pushed things out. To go back into the places that may have caused pain before because here's what I know, is that there is so much purpose in our pain. There is so much purpose in our pain. To this day, I can stand up here and tell stories about what has happened to me because I know that I never want that pain to just be something that happened to me. I refuse to just be a victim. God better be able to use that pain to bring purpose and hope and life to someone else. And he wants to do the same exact thing for you, but you have got to make a choice to go back into those places, to share that story, to open yourself up because there is other people that need to hear that and find life from it because there is purpose in your pain. And God wants to use what we've walked through to bring life for other people. And this leads me to number three. God's not done. God is not done. Continues on in this next part of Acts 14, 20 through 22. And it says this, the next day, Paul was dead the day before, and now it says the next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. After preaching the good news in Derby and making disciples, God is already using him the next day because he chose to get up, he chose to go back in, he chose to continue to do what God has called him to do, making many disciples. And Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, where they strengthened the believers. God continued to use Paul, even in his pain, even in his difficulty, even in the disappointment, even when people left him for dead, even when people persecuted him. Paul chose to get back up, to go back in, because God was not done with Paul's story. And he's not done with your story. And you might be bruised, and you might be hurt. You might be walking around with a limp because of what has happened to you. But God is not done. He's not done writing your story. 
He's not done using you to make a difference. He's not done using that pain to begin to feel purpose. You know, Zig Ziglar said this, difficult roads often lead to beautiful destinations. And he says, the best is yet to come. Can I just tell you something? If I would have stopped at being a victim of rape and just settled into the fact that, you know what, I'm a victim and I'm gonna live my life that way and I'm gonna shield myself from every relationship and experience and I'm not gonna go out and I'm just gonna sit in my victim mentality, then I would have never married the love of my life and been married for the last 21 years. None of you guys would be sitting in this room today had I not chosen to stand up and to go back in and to face that fear because God was not done. And I wanna encourage you guys today that God is not done with your story. And that he has so much left to write on the other side of this and despite the pain and despite the difficulty, man, years down the road, you're gonna look back and say, I am so glad I got up from that space and went back in because I see the fruit of what God has done in my life because he was not done. He's still working and he is still moving and if along the way we can start to believe that even when it's hard, even when it's tragic, even when unexplained things happen, that God is still good and that he still has a plan. In Romans 8, 28, it says this, and we know that God causes everything, not just some things, not just for that person's situation, not just for that kind of person, everything to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And I wanna pause here for just a second and I wanna talk to some of you guys that are like, hey Shayla, that's awesome. Get back up, go back in, God's not done. I've walked that out in my life. I'm healed, I'm on the other side. I am victorious, I've, I've done those things in my life. Can I just encourage you for a minute that God is still not done with you yet? Because maybe in this season, as you've healed and as you're on the other side of that, that God is calling you to be the believers that are surrounding the person that is sitting in what they feel like is a dead place. And that he wants to use you to identify those people and to surround those people and to lift them up out of their brokenness. Why? Because you've seen what it looks like. You know what it look, looks like and you can walk up to those people and say, no, how are you really doing? I am here to lift you up out of that. Let me tell you my story of where I've been and what God has done because God is not finished. He is not retired from your life and your purpose and your calling just because you've overcome. He wants to use you, he is not done yet. You know, and I think everybody, everyone in this room has had those experiences of brokenness and loss and disappointment. And here's what I love about our God. When we bring him all of our brokenness and every piece of our shattered life, God has this way of taking our brokenness and putting it all back together to make something so beautiful. Have you guys ever seen mosaics that take all that broken glass and put, I, I found a picture of one. This is just a bunch of pieces of broken glass. And you can see up close all the different shapes and forms of the brokenness. 
But when you put together that whole picture, it turned into something so beautiful. And this is exactly what God does in our life when we get back up, when we begin to go back in, and we hand him the broken pieces of the fragments of our life, and he takes it and he goes, you know what, I'm not done. I'll take all of that and I will put it together to make something so beautiful. So with every head bowed and every eye closed here today, you might be somebody that's here today that you are in a place of brokenness. That you walked in here today, you may not even have a relationship with God, but you're saying, Shayla, I want a relationship with a God that can take all of this mess in my life and put it back together and make something beautiful. And if that's you today and you're saying, Shayla, I want that kind of a relationship. I want to surrender my life to a God that can begin to make beauty from my mess. Then I wanna pray for you. And on the count of three, if you'll just slip up your hand. One, two, three. Yes, I see you, one. Yes, I see you, two. Yes, I see you, three, four. Yes. Thank you. If you guys will just repeat in your heart as I pray out loud. God, today I surrender. God, today I give you all of these pieces of my life. I give you my mistakes, my failure, my sin. God, I, I surrender all of those things to you, God, and I accept your plan and your picture from my life. God, I surrender my life to you today. And I ask, God, that you would come, that you would change me, that you would fill me, that you would lead me, that you would guide me. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen.